usually sport people see natural horsemanship as riders, leisure riders. So the riders that are just, you know, riding on a rope in the forest, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. And as natural horsemanship people, they see sport people as abusive and that's, that's how it goes. What really matters is that it fits to you uh, and that it's, uh, you know, opening your eyes because approach is one thing, methods is another thing. And if we only learn the methods, we're never really getting natural horsemanship because this is not about the methods. This is not about the trick. This is not about how to. This is uh, only about what you feel when you do it. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship. And now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication. So you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome to episode 20 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. And in today's episode, I'm going to share with you an interview I did with Alexa Karlinska, otherwise known as Natural Eventing Rider on Instagram. If you've seen her on there, you'll see amazing photos of her jumping these huge fences, completely bridleless with happy horses. It's an absolutely beautiful picture. So who is Alexa? Alexa Karlinska is a horse trainer and horse riding instructor, teaching horses and humans to understand each other so they can build relationships based on love. Alexa competes in eventing competitions with the aim of proving that natural horsemanship can be combined with sport. She was born and raised and still lives in Poland, right on the border with Germany. She has dedicated her life to making a positive change in the equestrian world. Alexa presents to us the best of both worlds by combining natural horsemanship and competitive disciplines. So she really shows us that it is possible to have both. And in this episode, we discuss Alexa's start with horses in horsemanship and eventing, including her selection on the national eventing team. We talk about the turning point for Alexa and what made her realize something wasn't right with her horse training and competing. We talk about combining natural horsemanship and competing, particularly in jumping and eventing. The sad truth behind some ways of training for competition, including breaking a horse's spirit. A day in the life of Alexa, from how she starts her day to taking the time to train her horses mentally and physically, and what she's into outside of horses. We speak about the benefits of slowing down, being mindful, and the conscious use of social media why horse personality is so important for performance and competing, why your approach is more important than your method and being open-minded in training, why less is more and going slowly is more important than quick results, the shocking truth behind some bridalist riding, what the natural horsemanship people lack and what the sport world lack in general. We speak about the controversial questions as always, we speak about Alexa, who is super honest about some of the shame and guilt that she's feeling around past methods of training horses and being brave enough to face the truth of that and changing paths. And we speak about why it's more important to know why you are training something, whether that's groundwork or riding instead of the how. 
Alexa is very honest about her past with horses and how she has changed and continues to adapt as she learns. She has an interesting perspective coming from a competitive background, and we share many of the same values, especially the mission of making a positive impact on the equestrian world and showing people it is possible to have a good relationship with your horse and compete. I know you're going to love this episode, so let's dive in. Okay, welcome Alexa to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I have followed you for such a long time. I was just saying to Alexa off air that I just love seeing the photos of her jumping these huge jumps, completely bridleless. It's so inspiring. So thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you. It's really new for me, so I'm a little bit stressed. (laughs) You'll do just fine. I'll help you through. How about we just get started into the first question, um, which is always a nice icebreaker because we like to hear about your horse journey to date, how you got started with horses, and what has led you to where you are today. So, um, since I was a little girl, I was collecting, you know, horse figurines. Me and my childhood friends spent hours and hours playing it with them and then one day my parents sent me to their friend who had two horses and I got soaked in right away. I was 13 years old and I was going through a period of this you know um, teenage rebellion. (laughs) It turned out that horses saved me from many mistakes I could have made at that time. Quickly my life changed and I rode my bike from the city to the countryside every day just to be with horses. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was pretty good at it. So I met a young mare and the owner told me that she's green, but if I will make her used to the rider, he will let me ride her. So I did. Her name was Mika and my dad uh, used to bought her for me to avoid some someone else buying it. You know, it's like uh, we just got an info that when she was already done, like ready for the rider, they wanted to sell her. It's just uh, that simple. <laughs> And I just didn't want to let it let it go. So my dad just decided to buy her. And that was like really, really surprising at the time. So not so long time after, I went for two weeks to learn for, um, from the national eventing team coach. It was just two weeks. That was my first time learning with a professional. So you can imagine. Uh, before I got home from there, I cried and cried that I want to go back. The stable was 100 kilometers away. And guess, uh, we moved Mika there. And uh, instead of a bike, my dad was just driving me there every day, 100 kilometers one way. <laughs> so it was 200 kilometers both ways every day, just right after school. Um, and everything after went like a blink on blink of an eye. I got nominated for a national eventing team. I got two more horses, Fatsy and Remix, went with them to another stable. And after first three years of studies, I moved to Germany to learn from another amazing rider. I started taking courses and training and came back to Poland. That's when I realized I don't want to do it anymore. Oh wow. <laughs> I realized that I hurt my horses and I'm not enjoying it anymore. I just entered the stable and the kids were preparing the horses for the training. I heard only saying them, you know, stop, you stupid idiot, don't do this, no. Uh, But that wasn't even the worst. Uh, I went to my horse's box and she literally turned away from me. And that was when I couldn't continue what I was doing, actually, because I just felt it's not right. Something wasn't good (laughs) anymore. 
so I started to look for other ways and I switched some classical trainers to natural Hoshmanship mentors. It was the most difficult process I ever had to go through in my life because I was, uh, you know, sport person my whole life and I had pretty good results and other people were looking up to me because I was training at that time, particularly alone. Uh, I was just consulting with other trainers. The thing is I had results and I didn't see the point of doing it anymore. <laughs> and uh, I started, you know, bringing uh, natural horsemanship trainers to the sports table. And it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was definitely not easy. Uh, I felt like, um, you know, I felt like I'm hated because I was just walking with my horses and I was allowing them to express themselves, which is for the sport people, not really an easy thing because they see it as a, you know, misbehaving or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just hiding and one, there was one really small indoor and I was hiding there uh, playing with my horses because nobody wanted to ride there. <laughs> so I was just there uh, learning. It wasn't an easy process because in my country, there's not many trainers you can learn from. The natural horsemanship is really fresh. And if it is here, it's more about tricks not really communication you know so i um uh, i was just consulting with some some people and yeah that's where i'm here right now <laughs> i after some time oh. i decided that i can combine both so you can still ride competition and you can use natural methods it is possible it is definitely not the easiest way mm -hmm. uh, and you have to be ready that natural people are gonna tell you that you're not good enough <laughs> and the sport people are gonna say the same because uh, we're not really ready yet for that it's uh, it's still fresh and the culture of sport is really strong the same as natural horsemanship usually sport people see natural horsemanship as riders major riders so the riders that are just you know riding on a rope in the forest <laughs> you yes. know that's the thing and as natural horsemanship people, they see sport people as abusive and that's that's how it goes. And it can be different. It can be different. I know that. Uh, but yeah, it's not easy. Wow. <laughs> but I'm doing it. <laughs> that's such a cool story. I really well, like it, that. It goes it sounds... longer and longer, but I just try to make it short. <laughs> no, that's good. And it sounds like you've really tried to marry those two worlds of natural horsemanship and competitive riding. So I don't know if you know much about me, but I come from a competitive background as well and then discovered natural horsemanship. Yeah. So I feel like we're kind of on similar paths. That's really great. Cool. <laughs> on different side of the world. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um I'd love to know from you from what you said then what was it about your old way of um being with your horse that your horse didn't like you know that moment where he just turned around what do you think he wasn't liking about what you were doing you know um I was just really trying to make him do things and uh, trying to make him do what he had to do in my eyes that time, mm -hmm. uh, which was jumping higher, better dressage, uh, a lot of training and not really connecting with the horse. It wasn't necessary. Necessary was the horse had to do the things that were later on the competitions. Mm -hmm. And you had to do a lot of training to be prepared for that. I'm also a perfectionist. So <laughs> when I'm yeah. training, uh, I'm trying to be prepared as much as I can uh, to not, you know, surprise myself and the horse in the competition later. 
but at that time it looked like I was just training a lot and I get I think my horses were overtrained and I must say I was abusive as well because my first instructor was really abusive person and uh, he wasn't a professional it was just in a village somewhere mm -hmm. uh, the first instructor that I ever got and you know this term of breaking a horse is mm -hmm. really like um, you know really like a common thing and I don't like it I personally feel like breaking a horse means you have to break his spirit even if you write it on google it shows me it tells me that i have to break a horse to break his spirit and which is like wow you know uh, it's just that we allow these things and it's normal it's everywhere and uh yeah i uh when my horse turned around i just felt like uh, he's not my friend anymore and um he never was actually that's what my first coach said to me uh, first mentor natural horsemanship mentor said to me that it is not my friend and that was shocking at the time but mm -hmm. it was true it's just that uh, i was focusing on goal i was focusing on on bit at his mouth i was focusing on on spurs i was focusing on the whip not really i was focusing on the result and that's the the thing i i, I really don't like about myself but i think everybody has to talk about it yeah. Otherwise, um, nobody will have a chance to change because this is a process. You need to understand, you need to forgive yourself and uh, change it, simply change it because everybody can make mistakes. I didn't know any better before, so I did what I know. Absolutely. Thank and me that it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for being so honest and for coming onto the podcast to share this message because I feel like a lot of people are in the same shoes. Can you tell yeah. us what, what a day in the life of Alexa looks like now? Yeah, so my days are now fulfilled with horses, of course. Uh, I start every day with a glass of water. That's what I learned from my boyfriend. <laughs> and a quick workout as well. Uh, it helps, uh, especially with stretching, because riding horses is not, it's not as healthy as people say. <laughs> it is uh, really hard. Uh, if I have to do some office job, I do it after breakfast and then I drive to the stable. I train my horses, horses in training and a few students uh, because I combine eventing training and groundwork training. It takes my whole day and I love it. <laughs> it's just that uh, the training takes longer because I need to focus on groundwork and I need to focus on training the muscles as well because mm. to be ready on the competitions, which means I have to, you know, give my horse way more time than I would usually do in a classical riding. It's not just an hour of training, it takes more. <laughs> and then I have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. I have to be ready to, uh, you know, take what my horses gives me and I have to be ready to spend as much time as he needed that day. And when I have a lot of horses, it's just a lot of day. <laughs> Yes, no, that makes sense. And I remember the days where I would take 45 minutes to an hour to ride my horse. And now, you know, I might be in one spot for 20 minutes just waiting for my horse to relax. So yeah. <laughs> um, it takes a lot longer than what we think. But at the yeah. same time, you can work on small things in shorter sessions. But yes, I can. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's just that if you go to the stable and you have just limits, it, it's never going Right. It's like when I have the limit and I have, okay, let's do an hour or an and a half hour even. And the horse says, mm -mm, <laughs> not <Yeah>. today. <laughs> yeah. uh, then it takes long and it takes longer. But yeah. It's almost like they can tell when we put a time limit on it. They're like, mm, I'm going to take longer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
<laughs> so what else are you interested in outside of horses? So the fun fact about me is that I'm in a relationship with a man from the other side of the world, from the Caribbean, a little small island that you can drive around in one hour or two. And meeting him opened my mind, especially to culture differences and nature. It's like um, traveling made me curious and actually look into the inner world a bit more. So I started traveling the world and it made me look inside my inner world. <laughs> uh, so I'm really interested in harmony, energy and subconscious mind. It's like um, I like to hear about it. I like to listen about it. I like to, you know, uh, research it it's really interesting and I think it's something that we need in this today world I'm trying to run away a little bit from the rush big cities and everything that uh, you know people got into it so strongly so uh, yeah I think it's everything that is uh, about mindfulness actually this is mm -hmm. something that I really enjoy doing and also um, it's something different but it's public relations and um, a communication design and actually what I studied so it actually opened my eyes as well it's uh, completely different what I'm doing daily but communication design is something that uh, if you know how the advertisement goes and how they produce it you are actually a little bit more conscious what you're doing in internet mm -hmm. and um, yeah I think it helps to move in this world a little bit and to be more safe, you know, because yeah. when I see kids at young ages right now, I think they have it really difficult to separate like internet world from, from the real world, you know, I did, I had it when I was a kid, I was just, you know, spending time with horses on the grass, uh, grassing and, you know, now they have to do a picture from it <laughs> and uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I would like to go to the roots a little bit more and yeah, mm. it helps me be more conscious and safe in this world. Yeah. So what I do. I think the world in general is craving that uh, reconnection with ourselves, slowing down, being mindful. Yeah. Because yeah, like you say, how do we separate our internet world from our real life world? It just seems kind of um impossible these days yeah yeah exactly especially you know people tell me that oh you're spending so much time on instagram these days and i say i really use it consciously i use it uh with you know the knowledge that i had from my school five years mm -hmm. uh that to not be like so in into instagram only because this is just a presentation of me it's not not it's not the real world right it's exactly. it has to be perfect Story, perfect picture it has to be a perfect moment mm. I still try to show sometimes the, how, how it looks real mm. uh, but that's not what we look for in social media right now we not we don't really look for reality we look for perfection so the reality we have to look for in other people for real you know mm. and, uh, and it's needed I mean everybody would be really depressed if you look only on Instagram because uh, it's everything is perfect there you know yeah, that <laughs> so, is yeah so we need to we need to find the balance and uh, yes this finding the balance is actually my hobby you know in everything every field in life finding the balance is, is really cool mm. these days yes <laughs> I like that and I have just started a challenge for myself well I actually haven't done it yet but my aim is to have one day 
It sounds silly, like it would be so easy. One day, no phone. Yeah, you know, I even called it, it's, it's on my fridge, actually, a card on my fridge saying uh, no social media Tuesday. And ah. I'm trying to do it for a while already. Uh, yeah, it's like a hashtag, you know. <laughs> but I, know, I was going to say, you can make that a thing on Instagram, but then <laughs> Exactly. But uh, you can actually post it on, on Monday already. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, but the thing is uh, this no social media Tuesday, uh, it's going, you know, it's following me for a while. It's, it's difficult to do because... You know, uh, Monday you just take a look or something, you know, and yeah. after that, this little look, it goes. Um, so I think I'm trying to do it. And I think the more uh, people are like um, rooting for it, you know, it's like yeah. we, we try to do it, then it goes. So I have a couple of friends that I want to do it with because then it's easier, you know? Yes, then you've got uh, accountability. Yeah, I'll exactly. <laughs> Great. So let's start the No Social Media Tuesday uh, right now, today. <laughs> Except uh, our, our time difference probably makes it a little trickier, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is possible and I think it's healthy, you know, just a day and a week for yourself. It's not much. It's actually yeah. nothing, you know. You exactly. can easily wait for posting the picture for the next day. It's It should be easy. And yeah. the thing that it's difficult, it, it's just... Uh, makes our eyes open <laughs> because mm. how i mean uh, how did it happen you know i know and we can just take it one day off <laughs> it's crazy yeah yeah it's i think crazy. as a society you know and we're not even celebrities <laughs> you know, know? <laughs> <laughs> or uh, you know some actress or something we're not them or president of the i don't know united states we're not them so yeah. we can actually easily do it it's just yeah. uh, something that stop us and this something is dangerous I believe mm, yes okay no social media Tuesdays I like that I'm going to start yeah. that next week um okay so moving on to the next question how many horses do you have and can you tell us about each of their personalities oh, that's gonna be a long one <laughs> so <laughs> I own four horses right now um, Mika is retired right now a few years already spending her time with a herd of horses on the fields. She's a very little mare that didn't get to know the new me yet because, um, yeah, as I said, I was doing only classical riding for a while. And before I started natural horsemanship, she already got injured. So we sent her for the fields because uh, she was curable, but we had to break her leg. And I just I said, no, uh, I don't want to do this to the horse because breaking a leg means, uh, you know, no life for a long period. So I just sent her to the fields at a young age. I think she was 10 or something back then. And uh, she's happy there. I, when, every time I visit, she's, she's just with a huge herd of horses, just uh, grassing or running. So it's a really, really nice uh, life. But I can't wait to take her home in the future. <laughs> That's definitely a goal. Uh, yeah, and Fatsi is an extremely shy gelding with a huge heart. So he's with me around seven years and we had an accident together while jumping obstacles. I might said that on Instagram one day. After this, he never fully recovered from the trauma he had. Maybe if I would know natural methods a bit earlier, uh, it would be different. But now I accept him for who he is and I'm proud that he's now way more confident when jumping because this is like yeah um 
this is the horse that actually showed me that I have natural horsemanship skills. That's, uh, that's, that's really funny because I never thought I could, you know, for me, natural horsemanship, when I know that, when I heard about it, it was like magic. It was impossible, you know, uh, I mean, how, <laughs> how you can do it without all these lines and ropes and everything. Uh, and it turns out that it was with him, it was actually pretty easy because he just wanted to connect. Uh, and it, um, it's funny because I believe he forgave me a lot because I was really not a good person when he met me. I was really uh, focused on goal. I was really focused on achieving things. Um, and he just showed me that he doesn't want it. He has a good papers, uh, really good. Uh, his parents were jumpers, so it's like he should as well. Uh, but after this accident, he never was the same horse anymore. His heart was beating every time when I was just coming close to the pole on the ground, not even a fence. So um, yeah, in Germany, my, my coach in Germany was trying to fix it, but he just showed us no, <laughs> and I'm not gonna do it. Uh, but I never thought I could sell him because everybody said, okay, this horse is not jumping, so sell him and buy another one so you can have more uh, results, right? Uh, but I just didn't, I couldn't. It was even one try, but yeah, I was crying 24 hours and I said, no, <laughs> it's not possible. Um, so he's the one that's very introvert and uh, very sweet. So he was usually very gentle with, with humans. He is very gentle. A little bit spooky, but not so so uncontrolled one. So he's um, just a very sensitive soul, which really wants to cuddle with you. It's like a teddy bear, you know, <laughs> really. And uh, Remix is absolutely a little freak. He bites every horse and every humans he can reach with his mouth. Uh, extremely playful beast and definitely my most difficult to play with. He's fast and clever. Uh, which makes him really, really difficult for a person to play from the ground when you don't know and you don't have the skills and when you don't know how to operate in this world, he's just faster. <laughs> he's just really faster and he always wants to play. So uh, yeah, when you're standing and thinking for a while, he just has his own idea already and biting you in the back or just running away or, or doing things. <laughs> uh, crazy horse. and. For the first time I thought he's biting humans, but then I started observing him a lot on the field and his colleagues with Fatsi. So he's spending a very, I mean, a, a long time together. So I looked at them and it turns out that he's biting Fatsi all day. All day he's trying to bite his ass, waiting for Fatsi to react. If Fatsi doesn't react, then he's just biting him more <laughs> until oh he reacts. <laughs> so, and he's doing it every day until Fatsi reacts. And uh, then I realized, okay, it's not a human problem. It's just that he is like he is. And yeah. I just accepted it. I just totally accepted it. I don't see it as misbehaving or anything like that. He's biting and I know that. And he always will because he wants to play. And, uh, you know, um, he's, it's a funny story with this horse because uh, I also met him when I was only classical rider back then. And he's a horse that every rider that ever sat on him fell down. It's, uh, it's crazy because, yeah, every, every rider that sat even for once on him fell down. And it's because he's just so playful because every time when you just you know, come back to this table after the training, everything's cool and chill. And then at one point, he's just starting doing these noises like, 
and then you know that it's over <laughs> and then you're gonna be on the ground because uh, yeah he's just happy and he started barking and just uh, you know screaming like Wee! like little yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah you just knew that okay you're gonna be uh, down on the ground <laughs> soon <laughs> so yeah this is his character and uh, it's it's really nice horse it's just uh, yeah a little demon outside <laughs> but uh, i like him very much and symphonia uh, symphonia story is a little different i might um, say that also on instagram already she came for me completely green and she was the first horse that i started using potential natural methods because I, I didn't know that it was actually natural methods back then. Um, I wasn't very skilled back then, <laughs> but she needed a different approach. For half a year, she tried to kill everyone coming close to her, the vet, the groom, the farrier, all the strangers. She was just trying to reach uh, with her hoof next to your head uh, very strongly. So it was really, really dangerous. Um, actually, me, my boyfriend, and my groom, we all have scars after her. I have one here. It's <laughs> gonna stay like this. My boyfriend has one on his leg, and uh, my groom straight on her face over here. But yeah, and that's uh, how Symphonia is. Uh, today is already a thousand times better, but still not completely easy with her. Mm -hmm. Like, she has only one vet that she accepts and even then she needs an hour or two to get used to it again um you know she's wild in her spirit and very extrovert and brave which makes her ah uh, i feel like when you look at her you see you know spirit the wild mustang or <laughs> something like that because she's really kind of unpredictable but i know that uh, it's something with her insecurity because she has problem with every stranger it's it's mm -hmm. like anybody new that she has to know she's already having a lot of stress she's just not holding it together and working with a horse like that wasn't really easy and everyone told me okay you have to give her away or send her on the fields and you know she's a dangerous one mm. Uh, yeah, it wasn't easy and this scar I got, I actually got on the day of um, championships of five years old horses and eventing because we went to the championships together. And she cleared me, showed me after the day, the last day, she cleared me, showed me that, okay, uh, I have enough. <laughs> so he made, she made me the scar. Um, it was just before the prize giving ceremony, you know, and it was already too much for her uh because it was everybody knew and usually on the competitions she's really focused and she's really uh, great but prize giving ceremony when all these people are standing in front of her new people <laughs> it's just too much um now it's way better but you know it took a lot of time and i i really think that if i wouldn't know natural methods uh, working with her it would be only worse it's like uh, this horse really needed understanding at that point mm -hmm. and it made me you know uh, because she was like that it made me really connected to her i think it's the one horse that you know uh, stays in your heart forever and symphonia is the one <laughs> yes yes sometimes it's so much more rewarding when you know where you've come from and and how far you've come from that place um yeah. and do you feel like a lot of people say this that those horses that perform at the top level 
They're usually mm. always a little bit quirky. They're a little bit different. They're very playful. They're usually extroverted. They usually like to move. Do you agree with that? Yeah, actually, yes. You know, uh, I have one introvert. Uh, I own one introvert, but I met a lot on my way. Uh, and I could never imagine actually competing with introvert horse. It's that uh, maybe I could after a while, uh, but I don't think that ever that competing would be pleasure for them. You know, it's like if I would buy a horse, I wouldn't go for the paper or anything like this. I would need to know if it's an extrovert, introvert, left brain, right brain. I need to know this, you know, yes. uh, paper doesn't matter for me. Uh, what matters really is the personality and horsenality. And uh, it really is like that, that horses like, like Remix, for example, the playful beast, he's, uh, he's a sport type. And he's always going to be because he likes challenges. And uh, obviously, uh, we also need to be careful with that because it easily can be that even an extrovert horse won't enjoy the competition if you don't present them, present the competitions good, you know? So, but yeah, it is like that definitely. That's why uh, classical riders say, you know, if you have a crazy one, you have a sport one. And <laughs> that's how it is a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we need to know how to handle the crazy ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And when you talk about the natural methods, did you mm -hmm. learn from a particular system or particular coaches? Can you tell us a little so, bit how you actually got into natural horsemanship? Uh, not really a particular. And I was lucky enough that my first natural horsemanship mentor uh, never ever said to me what methods is he using. He only said uh, about approach. All the time he was just putting into my head approach, approach, and approach. Uh, not really a method. And that's why I try not to tell the people what kind of methods I'm using because it doesn't really matter. What really matters is that it fits to you and, and that it's, uh, you know, opening your eyes because approach is one thing, methods is another thing. And if we only learn the methods, we're never really getting natural horsemanship because this is not about the method. This is not about the trick. This is not about how to. This is uh, only about what you feel when you do it, uh, how you do it. It's that, uh, you know, you can say sorry to someone, uh, just I'm sorry, or you can really mean it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. The same as with natural horsemanship. Uh, when somebody is using the methods and just following the program, it's not really correct because it's not giving us full uh, picture of a horse. And also, it can work, but in my eyes, it doesn't have a soul in it. You know, it, it mm. doesn't. It's not really magical at that point. It's just a system that we follow. Uh, and when something is breaking out of the system, then we don't know what to do anymore. And that's only because uh, we don't look for further answers. You know, it's like, uh, I really, I'm not a big fan of saying what kind of, you know, uh, methods I'm using, just because I don't want people to go in a trap, which is use only one yes. or use two of them. I, I just don't think it's, it's correct. Yes, exactly. And um, speaking earlier of approach, do you have a mantra that you like to live by in your own life? You know, I was thinking about it a lot and um, it's not really a mantra, but it is a saying coming from China, I believe, that goes, be not afraid of going slowly, be afraid of standing still. 
And slowing down took my life into a higher level and helped me reach everything I ever needed. And, uh, you know, I think lots of people are standing still looking out to other people because we just don't do anything, we just look at others. And uh, I think it's a huge problem these days. And also that we are afraid to go slow. We want to have results now. Uh, we want to have a goal now. We want to have the perfect picture now. Everything has to be now. We never enjoy the process anymore. And uh, even if we say we do, we sometimes don't, you know? We just do it because we want to say to others that we do it, <laughs> which is stupid. Uh, but this is how it goes. And uh, yeah, in my eyes, uh, yeah, this is like, uh, you probably heard it before from other people, less is more. Uh, we, we say that in, in natural horsemanship a lot, uh, but yeah, it's not even less is more, it's just going slowly. It's like the river, you know, uh, with, with rivers is the same. The river that goes slowly, you can't even, you can't even see it, but it makes a change in the ground and it makes it constantly, but very slow. And I believe this is way nicer process than just, you know, having a quick results right away. Uh, yeah, so that this is my mantra. I just go slow, but I do something. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not gonna just, uh, pretend that I do and stand still I just do but slow and quiet in my own time and I wish everyone could do that too because this is just uh, peaceful you know and uh, being peaceful in this world is not an easy thing <laughs> really not because really uh, your phone is ringing all the time <laughs> or you know the tv or anything is ever fast everything is very fast so slowing down is actually something that we need to practice every day and uh, I wish for everyone that they can enjoy it. Mm. <laughs> yes. And the paradox of that is usually when you go slow and take small steps, in the end, you actually get there quicker because you've taken all the time that you need to get your horse comfortable or, you know, go through all of the stages that you need to without skipping steps. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This is, this is how it is for real. And also that because when you enjoy this journey, it goes like this, you know, so quick. Yeah, it does. Uh, because you enjoy it. And if you just focus, I want this, I want this, I want this effect, it doesn't go so fast because you feel frustration and that's it. Mm. So, uh, yeah, frustration makes us feel, uh, you know, like we, we took a longer time actually. So when we enjoy it, we take little steps, we enjoy this little step, they're easy, and then uh, we're happy when we try to uh, you know put a big footstep then it's not easy because then we're frustrated we lose the balance and maybe we're gonna reach that point but when we're gonna be there we're already really tired yeah that's what i <laughs> yeah that's so true and just jumping back to your eventing days obviously you used to compete in eventing but do you have any ambitions of competing now like do you compete now or do you want to do that in the future so I said before, I competed a lot in my life. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, good results in young horses championships, mostly five years old horses, third place, six years old horses, third and second place. Uh, and that's what I enjoy the most, training young green horses. Uh, I had a break actually from competitions lately for like two or maybe already three years. Uh, because transformations from the classical riding to natural horsemanship approach in classical riding is 
really difficult. Uh, it's really difficult because of the other people and of, uh, you know, I go to the competitions and the old schemas are going into my head, you know, I mm -hmm. want to do uh, with my horses what I did before all these years before. So before I decided to compete again, I had to have my, uh, how to say that, new habits really strong. And mm -hmm. it's not easy because I only, I've been doing it, uh, natural horsemanship approach only five years. So it's not so much because I'm riding 15. So this 10 years is still in me and I'm, you know, aware of that. So I actually want to compete this year for the first time since two or three years uh, because I feel like I'm ready. And also this Corona thing uh, last mm. year was really difficult to compete as well. I have no really ambitious to win something huge. I have no ambitious to, to be how good people can be. I'm just uh, doing it for fun uh, because I have extroverted horses. I have horses that can do it. I have horses that are playful and we enjoy it together. So why not do it? And I also think that I need to show what I can to other people uh, to inspire them a little bit to make a change in the world. So without me being on the competitions, um, the sport people won't see what I do because uh, yeah, for them, the proof is when you go on a competition and you succeed, <laughs> you know, then, uh, then, then they're starting to be interested in what you're doing. I never go to people and say, oh, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, I mind my own business. So yeah, I do what I can. And if somebody likes it, I believe they're gonna come to me and ask how I do it. Uh, if they don't like it, they just don't come. And uh, if they criticize me, I just don't care because, uh, if people criticize me, they are just afraid because what I do is really difficult, <laughs> really, believe me. Uh, think the hardest part in what I do is just uh, other people's opinion. This is really, really damaging because people cannot understand that you can have a friend and still competing. And uh, I believe that I respect a lot of people that don't compete and that they're riding, you know, prideless on an egg probe only in their own yards or even trail riding. I totally support this, you know, with my whole heart because that's what I do with Fatsi. I'm not going to compete with him as well. And, um, but I also say, yeah, um, competitions is something that we can change. It, it is right now very abusive. It is right now not fair. Uh, the rules are not fair, like you cannot really go a bit less on the dressage, which is why, <laughs> you know, why? Uh, mm. Because uh, on one side, I understand it because we have now the subject really fresh. So like, if you want to go, we have in Wrocław, I don't know if you heard that, but we have world championships of um, rideless riding in Wrocław once a year. Uh, it's a huge event when uh, you have trail riding, you have uh, this riding Western Western competitions. I'm not really sure what is it, uh, and jumping as well only on the neck ropes. And there's wow. tons of people doing it. It's it's amazing. The only thing is that if you go behind the scenes, you can see actually people being abusive to their horses. Oh, uh, riding the bridle on the warm up arena doing it in a really not nice way and then they go outside and then they take the bridle off and then they ride on the neck rope and it looks beautiful <laughs> it's just that oh, no. i know from my own experience that you can ride brideless 
and you can be abusive. It's it's what we said before. It's approach, and it's uh, really important for me to point it out because it is possible to ride without the bridle. It is possible to use the halter in an abusive way. Uh, it's actually really abusive if you do it. It's actually stronger a halter than a normal one with the you know uh, the sport ones that we use. Mm-hmm. I don't know the head collar right so uh, when you look at this event it's like it goes in a good direction but it is a lot to change so because it happened because people want to show to everyone oh i can ride riders but what if we do it for ourselves not for showing off you know mm-hmm. uh, there's a few people only there that i really see that oh this person has a really good relationship with the horse because mm. uh, it's just really delicate, supple, you know, happy. And uh, if you, you know, ride with the bridle and then you take the bridle off for a few seconds or a few fences, does it really count as natural horsemanship? Because for me, it doesn't, you know, it's not really the truth. It's also like with me, if I feel when I have a day that I want to ride prideless and my horse just uh, is out of control that then I have to fix the problem not with putting the bridle on I have to do something else today because this is the reality you know and when you are on the competitions like that you don't have time for this (laughs) you just don't Uh, so on the other hand on one hand this competition is a beautiful thing uh, and I also understand the normal competitions right now because, you know, when you have a person that goes in a bitless uh, bridle and has completely no control of the horse, it mess up the whole warm-up arena, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think warm-up arena is actually uh, the most difficult, difficult discipline of everything. Yeah. <laughs> going there in tons of horses uh, and uh, stressed people and wow this is like really a challenge uh, when you go on the arena show jumping is already good <laughs> because you're alone but warm up especially with young horses you know yeah. when you go result of five years old horses competitions so then then it's a difficult difficult story <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah this is like uh, i'd say for me, natural horsemanship is the approach and uh, not the effect. So uh, if you do it on the, on, with a bit or if you do it without a bit, doesn't really doesn't really matter. But competitions, yes, for sure. Uh, but if I would have to choose between, uh, you know, my horse well-being and the competitions, I definitely take my horse well-being. So, mm. yeah, if I feel my horse is too wild or uh, too scared or something, I'd say okay we don't do it today next time Mm. Mm. and speaking of horses well-being what do you think makes a happy horse well it's for me a very clear answer so for me a happy horse is an understood horse so I've met a lot of horses in my life and all of them were so different all of them had different needs but one is for sure they appreciate when you understand them and show them that you understand them it's like with humans the freedom of being ourselves opens a lot of doors you know so if the horse can be himself then he opens his his doors you know because he knows that he can be himself and uh, this goes to humans and to horses the same Uh, and i feel like in these times not everyone has you know a perfect posture 
or a perfect paddock paradise or whatever. And not everyone is able to do it. Uh, so we just need to try to understand our horses. So if our horse has not enough time on the field, maybe we have to do something to, uh, you know, to tell him, I understand you, that you just want to run free <laughs> air and try to give him as much as we can to substitute this and maybe look for another stable or just to understand the horse, just to understand his needs, just to understand that it's a, it's a prey animal, it's not like us. And uh, if we understand them, I believe they, they give us back the love because uh, loving is understanding. It's, it's the truth. <laughs> loving is understanding. I love that. That could be a quote. <laughs> Your quote. <laughs> I gotta put it on my Instagram. <laughs> yes, yeah, you should. Not on a Tuesday though. Um, <laughs> you've kind of already answered the next question, but I wonder if you wanted to elaborate more. Um, basically, we, I wanted to ask you what your personal training approach is or philosophy with horses and if you use positive and negative re or negative reinforcement. You've kind of already answered, but would you like to give us, is there anything else you want to say about that? Yeah, you know, uh my training approach is still in making because I've done it only for five years. And uh, yeah, it's, it's still fresh. I keep learning all the time. I use both negative and positive reinforcement. Uh, I try to keep it equally right now, especially with the, with the horses that uh, are gonna compete or are compete, competitions horses that come to me for training. Um, but yeah, I really admire people that use only positive reinforcement, especially the ones that don't use treats or halters or ropes, just totally freely. Mm -hmm. uh, this is like, for me, this is really liberty horsemanship. And uh, I really admire those people because this is what we really need. But also I think to make a change in the Christian world, we need to start an evolution, not a revolution. Mm -hmm. you know this is uh, something i've been thinking a lot about because uh, you know if i tell a person that rides competition that he needs to completely stop riding for a few years in order to build a relationship with his horse and he may never ride competitions again he will say i'm a freak and never touch the natural horsemanship subjects again because it's too much it's just too much for him you know mm -hmm. uh, and i know that because i went through it myself you know, I went through it. I know what my first mentor said that my horses don't like competitions. And I was like, what can I do right now? Especially, you know, my dad didn't know what to do because he was investing in that, you know, and paying yeah. for all my stuff. I was in the national team. Oh my God, you know, and now some man tells me, stop doing it, <laughs> you know, yeah. completely stop doing it. <laughs> it is not easy because then you say, no, uh, this is just not for me, right? Mm. So um, I meet plenty of people and I see success when a person will compete, but with a love in his approach. And I see success when the people won't compete anymore and just enjoy being with his horse. Both of it I see as a success because this is the, we're going in a good direction. Uh, and that's what I basically do. I show different paths and you can choose what is your path. You know, it's just that uh, we all have different like needs like horses. It's just that I'd say, like we said before, if you want to do competitions, get yourself a horse that likes to do it. Mm. And uh, what likes like, you know, uh, the thing that when a horse is rushing on a fence, that doesn't mean he likes it. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the thing that people sport people don't know mm-hmm. but they simply don't know it's not like they uh you know um they force their horses it's just that they don't have this they don't have this knowledge and yeah. what i see is that you know uh the natural horsemanship people, what they lack is like good sitting position. I see it all the time that natural horsemanship people just sit badly, you know. Oh, As oh, a generalization, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah, because uh, they don't focus on that. And uh, it's okay. It's still okay because they do it with love. And on the other hand, the, the sports people have it really up to perfection sometimes. They sit so good, you know. And what they lack is understanding of horses. So what if these two groups can combine their skills and then we have something like a super group, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. It's just that one and the other have to stop hating each other because it doesn't bring us to anyone, to anything. It's just uh, we need to start cooperating. And then we have, yeah. oh, amazing horsemen, you know, with perfect seat position, independent seat, with with all of the good things that comes with uh, with the with sport christian and the classical riding and this natural horsemanship which is horse psychology so well yeah this is what uh, what my approach is i try to combine the best from every group and uh, i think it's beautiful it's it's not easy because not everybody's open but it's beautiful i think uh, this is what i actually do i try to inspire natural horsemanship people to to be better and i try to uh, inspire sport people to be better mm. that's, that's my approach <laughs> For yes this. that's you're kind of the middle person because you can relate yes. to both to both parties i would say like a messenger you know from one group yeah. to the other yeah. group. before they start to communicating together i'm a messenger yeah <laughs> uh, I like that because sometimes I reflect on my background as well coming from you know a competitive background but I kind of don't regret it because I learned so much you know I I can ride well so the thing that was missing was yeah the horsemanship the horse psychology really understanding the horse's nature and yeah now that I've got that like you say, it's kind of like you feel like you've got the best of both worlds. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't deny what you've learned already. Some mm. of this, these things are not good. That's correct. Mm. But some of these things are really good, like uh, where your leg should be. This is something like uh, you know we we know because we ride a lot and uh, we were riding a lot, and uh, we shouldn't deny it. You know, we know that and we should use it. We should help other riders do it you know uh, if we if you have this great approach uh, if you love horses and you know horse psychology why don't tell this person that knows also horse psychology but really her body is not so good mm. then uh, we have to help each other yes this absolutely is, this is so, so we can combine what we learn it's like turning our bad experience into actually something new and great yes Hmm. I kind of already know what, I think I know what you're going to answer to the next question, but can you tell us what your thoughts are on the bits versus bitless debate? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a difficult one, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere all the time, but this yeah. is, yeah, I am, as you said, somewhere in the middle. So mm-hmm. literally, there are some natural horsemanship enthusiasts that say I'm horrible horsewoman because I write competitions and some 
or sport people that say I'm not a serious rider because I train my horses on halters, you know, uh, the same goes to the bits. Uh, I believe bits should be used with fineness for refining the horse's moves. There is a trend or even culturally that say you have to have bit to have a control of a horse. And this is what's wrong, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I think every natural horsemanship and cheese judge would say, yes, this is wrong. Bit for control, no. Uh, but not everyone need bits. For example, I use them when I train dressage, but when I go to the forest for a hat ride, I just don't. And of course, you can ride dressage bitless. I do it too sometimes, but uh, you know, just do what feels right and don't take criticism from people you would not take an advice from. This is mm -hmm. a really important thing. The same with bits. Uh, it's, it's really simple. If you feel like uh, your hand is light enough. If you feel like your horse is okay with it, just do it. Don't look at orders. You know, uh, we just can't do it simply. Uh, obviously, we have this dangerous bits. We have this, you know, complicated bits. I'm not really a big fan of them. Uh, I don't think we we really use them. We need them. So I don't really use complicated bits. But I, you know, there's so many, uh, you know, autonomic. Uh, really good things right now happening because we have you know really the tools to do it uh that bits can be actually really not that harmful and the same as i said with halter you know you can be really abusive with a halter mm. and uh, you can be really delicate with the bit so for me it's like do what pleases you you know i really don't care if people ride on the bit or don't just uh let other people do what they want and do what you want. This is my opinion in this in this matter because uh, bit I use I I admit that because I'm riding competitions and I use it for refining uh, my horse's moves and I think this is the only good way to use to use the bit. If we need it for control, then yeah, then no, <laughs> then no. Yeah. But yeah, this is my my point of view and just in the middle. So. I really try to accept everyone. It's just that what I don't accept is when people are really uh, overusing the bit, right? So when they really abuse it with them, this is what I don't accept. And I always say that. Yeah. Okay. I like what you've said there as well. And especially um, when you start to get involved in the natural horsemanship world, when your eyes are opened up to everything, you start to question everything you do with your horse. And then you think, yeah oh, maybe I shouldn't use bits, maybe I shouldn't use this or that. And then really we can get so focused on the tools, but what we need to look at is how does our horse feel about that? How do we feel about that? And yeah, and, and not to worry about what everyone else is kind of thinking and doing because I guess, I yeah, yeah, you know. It's just that, you know, I don't know why we have this, that we have to go to extreme all the time, you mm. know, like, if natural horsemanship, then on extreme. If sport, then on extreme. Why? It's like, uh, you know, nature and, and the world shows us that nothing extreme is good. You know, too much water is not good. Too much food is not good. Too much cleaning is not good. You know, yeah. everything should be in harmony. So uh, we don't have to be an extremist. You know, I don't know how to say that. Uh, we just need to be uh, us, you know, yeah. real. And just keep the balance because that's the answer look that's in my eyes you know just keeping everything in the balance yes I was gonna say it goes back to your balance yeah <laughs> all right so what is something you once did with horses that you now no longer do and why being brutal I'll be honest 
My first instructor was brutal for horses. And as a child, I didn't know any better. So I thought this is the right way. So many years I copied what they did. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now I would never force my horse to do something that he's not ready for. Mm -hmm. Although I still make mistakes. I never, I would never put a goal in front of the relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I'm not competing again. Um, for me, it's the biggest mistake I've done and I have to be honest with it is being brutal. I was, and uh, mm -hmm. I was, uh, my horse's nightmare <laughs> because I yeah. was like that and I can't deny it. And I believe uh, being honest and true with it will help other people find a way because, um, uh, yeah, I was at first, I think I was very ashamed of it. I was trying to pretend that I've never done it before, mm. you know, but um, can I'd you say. Pass, can you give us an example, if you don't mind? I mean, it's probably hard to talk about, but what, like, could you tell us? It's what hard, but I have plenty of these examples. Oh, okay. <laughs> Like, can you tell us specifically what you did? Because now I'm curious. Yeah, yeah uh, it is, uh, you know, I tell you something personal. Mm. Uh, it was at the end, I think, of, of the way that I used only classical approach. Um, I was writing Symphonia and that was her first, maybe third or fourth time jumping and she just didn't want to do it. And I obviously used the web that time uh, just to force her. She was just tired and I didn't see it. I just was blind. I just, everyone was there and it was young horse and didn't want to jump. So I just forced her to do it with the web. I was really uh, angry. I was really like, uh, I don't know how to say that, frustrated so much that I, all that content was for her to be on the other side. And um yeah, I didn't see it that time because everyone was watching and I thought uh, I did the right thing. They thought I did the right thing. Um, and then I sat in the car, uh, as I said, I have my whole life almost, I had 100 kilometers to the stable. So I had time in my car to think what I did. <laughs> and at that time I was with my boyfriend that's not related to horses at all. Mm. And uh, he was quiet that day and uh, I just asked him why he's quiet and he said that he never know he never knew that horse people use so much abuse to these animals that he never would imagine that uh, there is like uh, that it's legal to do it you know and uh, I felt so ashamed you can't even imagine because uh, I didn't have an answer for that because I knew at that time that it's not right. I knew at the time that I did something horrible and terrible only to achieve the goal. And uh, yeah, that was at the end of this bumpy road that I wanted to switch to natural horsemanship, but uh, I'm, I still feel ashamed. But now I feel so proud that I talk about it right now. Mm -hmm. I know that it happened. If someone's gonna show me and my old videos or whatever, it's gonna tell me, look at yourself, uh, you are abusive to the horses. And I'd say, yeah, I was, I really was. And uh, I remember the time when I had Mika, I didn't even hear about natural horsemanship back then. And uh, she didn't wanna jump cross country. And I remember like yesterday, I got down from the horse and I saw blood in her mouth and uh, I was young. I was like 17 years old at that time or something. And my coat was completely fine with it. 
And uh, as a kid, for me, I ignored it at that time, but I now do remember that how far I was with being abusive to not react of what I saw. You know, uh, I was young. I didn't know that uh, it's, it's wrong, but still, um, you see, if you see blood, you know something is wrong. And <laughs> I should you know. Uh, so I'd say I have to be honest, especially now when I talk to you. Um, I was like that. Uh, and I would never go back on that road again mm. uh, because I know how harmful it was for my horses and also for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, I lost myself. I completely lost myself because I was good. And when I started this journey with horses, uh, I was usually uh, riding in private places, you know, some old villagers had horses, let me ride them. And uh, I was good because I was doing it by myself. Maybe I didn't have a perfect seat or, you know, all of these things. I was riding terrible, actually. But it worked out because I was kind. And that's why it worked out. And on the journey of this of the sport thing, I just lost this kindness and that's why my horses turned around from me because I was horrible I was horrible you know and uh, I wouldn't like myself back then but I was brave enough to say to myself stop it's not you uh, you can't do it anymore it's it's horrible and um I changed and just simply like that I I came back to myself and I believe uh, there's plenty of people in the same position that I was that want to change something but don't know how and uh, we're here to help them you know and ourselves too because yeah uh, it's never gonna gonna be something that I'm proud of but I can't deny my past uh, this is where I was this is uh, something that you know I believe that there is uh, very few places where you can actually start your journey with horses with natural horsemanship uh, kids right now go to riding schools, right? And they, uh, what they learn is, they learn to be bossy. They learn to, your horse has to obey you, otherwise something is wrong. <laughs> otherwise you're not good enough. And that's what I saw in one sport table where there's a lot of kids, uh, they're training with their horses, even thing as well, and jumping in dresses. And uh, these kids were so frustrated that they couldn't achieve the goal. They were actually bad for each other as well. So it creates this bad atmosphere, this bad energy that you go to your friends, you go to your horse with because uh, your coach is screaming at you. And that's the first mistake I could ever imagine, you know, why the horse, I mean, uh, you know, horse riding instructor is mm -hmm. screaming at kids, you know, why? I mean, uh, that should be pleasure, you know, that should be teaching, mentoring is not screaming. Sometimes they even, you know, say bad words to these kids. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and then that's when I said also, I'd never function under something like that. I, I don't work with, with horse people that scream. I, I just don't, you know, because this is pleasure for me. So um, I believe that uh, this is a huge problem right now that we don't really have a place to start with natural horsemanship. There's no places like this almost. We just do learn on, on these poor leisure riding horses. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a problem. And I, uh, 
I was into that problem. I was one of these people that created this problem because I remember like yesterday teaching my friends, uh, you know, be angry, go forward, be angry at him when he doesn't want to go. It's it's what I repeated, what the, all this horse instructor told me to do. And uh, yeah, I would never do that again. It's just that no, but uh, I imagine that there is plenty of people yet still doing it because they don't know any better. Because yeah. they don't see it. Wow. So, yeah, I had to say that. <laughs> I had to. Sorry, if you could have dinner with any three horse people, dead or alive, who would it be and why? And what would you ask them? That is a difficult question, one of the most, I think. But um, the three names that came to my mind right away is um, Robert and Miller. That's that's for oh, that's a legend. Ray Hunt and Klaus Ferdinand Hempfling. That's the three people I look up to and I always will because this is years of experience, as I said. Unnatural energy that these people have, especially Klaus. And uh, I don't think I could ever be ready for a meeting like this, you know? I, I have more than a thousand questions and I don't even know if I could be able to ask them that, you know? It's yeah. um, when you meet a person, then it turns out that, oh, wow. Uh, you have completely different questions then, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, these three people I look up to, and as I said, these are people that you can't really find on social media so much. Mm. Uh, if you do, it's just basic information, but yeah, meeting them it would be an experience. And uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. well, I know that Klaus and Ray both have some books and DVDs. Have you looked into them at all? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yes, I did. Uh, but it's not really like, uh, as I said, I can learn something from it. Uh, Klaus was, uh, Klaus videos and books were my first books and videos that I ever had about natural horsemanship and never more. <laughs> because uh, it is like, you look at it, wow. But then you say, oh my God, I don't understand it. Anyway, you know, it's something you get, something you love, it's wow. But on the other hand, it doesn't bring any skills because it's so magical. It's uh, it's hard to grab like this, you know. Uh, they have all right in the world there, and it brings some um, some knowledge. Like uh, Robert de Miller wrote a book. Uh, it's a very small book, but this is the book when everyone uh, when someone is asking me about the natural horsemanship book, I always say this because it's uh, written in a very easy language and it gives you the the attitude. That's what approach attitude this is what we need right mm -hmm. uh, but yeah it's not like you can learn from these books or cds it's it's just an inspiration really it's yeah. it's it's inspiring it's inspiring so it's a dose of inspiration when i look at it it's a dose of inspiration but it's not like uh, it's changed something it's just like wow you yeah. know and yeah. sometimes you just need and uh how much wow do you have that depends on uh, how much determined you're gonna be to do it you know um and klaus made me do it wow so much that uh, i am where i am so he's my biggest inspiration mm. and uh, as i said he's not he never was my teacher but he's a, he is my inspiration so as i said energy is the key and his natural horsemanship is based on energy and this is what everything is about for me mm -hmm. 
So if you could turn back the time and talk to yourself 10 years ago, I mean, we've already had a bit of insight into that, but what would you tell yourself? <laughs> I'd love to do that, you know. Uh, I would just advise myself to not listen to others. My biggest problem was always fear of other people's opinion. So I definitely like to tell myself that trying to please everyone is pointless. Uh, because that's, that's, I think it's still my problem, you know, I think it's still my problem, <laughs> but a little bit less than it was before. Um, so yeah, I would say that because um, it's the most important, I think, for me that uh, if I would be myself, if I would keep being kind and I keep being nice, it would never be happening what happened, you know, mm -hmm. but on the other hand, I know that it made me who I am. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to learn on your mistakes. So I try to be forgiving for myself, but I always say, yeah, I would tell myself, stop being so stupid. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. Yeah. just relax, you know, yeah. just relax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if, you, if your horses could talk with words, what do you think they would say to you and what would you like to say to them? You know, uh, this is another difficult question, but, uh, you know, even if they could talk, I believe they would be silent just to prove a point that <laughs> you don't really need words to enjoy the present moment, you know, uh, they would just prove me that point, you know, and uh, Remix would probably bite me right after. So, honestly, uh, I can't imagine them talking, you know, that would be so weird because the whole point of them is that they don't talk. and. Uh, the same time they they say to you so much and um, this is really really uh, this is why we work with horses i think because of this body connection uh, and if i could say something to them i would say sorry for all the mistakes i did and i would thank them for being so forgiving and saving me when i was young because uh, mm -hmm. horses saved me and i believe this is what uh, what the parents could see, also potential parents could see for their kids, is that, yeah, send send kids to horses, <laughs> send kids to horses, and they won't think about stupid things or social media or hopefully not. Yeah. Um, and my dream is to have a lot of stables around the world that where you are in the stable, you just don't need your phone anymore. You just be there. You're happy. Or, you know, all the things that. Uh, you don't have the need to be on social media anymore. And that's what I had when I was a kid. And that's why horses saved me. You know, I was uh, in a toxic relationship. My first ever relationship was really toxic. My parents couldn't handle it. Uh, it was really bad for me. Until this guy said, either me, either horses. And then that's when horses saved me. <laughs> because horses I said, oh, every time. <laughs> crossing the line that's never gonna happen and uh, yeah they sent me because that was really toxic and I believe uh, horses can save me from many many things and uh, it's beautiful when you can just go there and find yourself you know just finding yourself it's crazy but it is like this just look at horse and, and you 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 look yourself it's, it's, you look at yourself it's crazy you know yeah. but yeah this is what I would thank them for, for being these mirrors that help us finding themselves. Because, mm. yeah, it's amazing. Mm. So what is next for you and where do you see yourself in 10 years time? 
Well, uh, I try not to make these mistakes from focusing on goals. So, and enjoy the road. Nevertheless, I do have dreams uh, and I always make sure to be on the path that lead to them. So next step is creating my own stable, my own piece of paradise where horses and humans will be understood both. Horses and humans will be understood. That is my dream. And I'm really, really close to achieve this actually. I'm really close. So keep your fingers closed because this is really going <laughs> to me and I'm really happy um, because it's always easier to have your own you know, place where you can you know, set up your own rules like Let's love each other. <laughs> no, yes. this yes. is my rule. <laughs> then no social media Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, like like when you use your phone when you enter the stable. No, it's just that, or you know, just put some things that's gonna, uh, you know, make the whole Wi-Fi doesn't go. <laughs> maybe then, uh, maybe then people stop using their phones. But yeah, no, it's it's just that. Uh, I believe when I will have my own place is gonna help me achieve what I feel like uh, combining these two words and learning from each other and existing next to each other. And I believe sport uh, world can actually positively impact the natural horsemanship world and natural horsemanship world can positively impact the sport world. So I'm looking for people that's that will be open to do this with me, you know, to to make clinics where you actually jump uh, when you actually have a session from the ground, when you have session with jumping, when you have all of these things and uh, coexisting together, you know, it's, it's my dream. And I believe uh, that would be perfect place right now to, to start it, to start a change, you know, because uh, we need this. God, we need this a lot in every part of the world. We need this right now, you know. So this mm -hmm. is my dream. And, uh, uh, traveling makes me, you know, opening my eyes as well. And I believe, uh, you know, you're talking to me, and you said you are from very similar place, you know, also from sports, uh, mm -hmm. you know, environment. So yeah, and uh, you have the same feelings as I have when we from totally different side of the world so it shows that actually it is necessary everywhere and um, yeah we just need to do it we just have to uh, get together and try to make it happen and be happy together you know? <laughs> that is the ultimate goal of everyone right <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yes. and being happy is just a state of mind you can do it right now mm -hmm. and with everything you have and uh, yeah, this is this is thing. Uh, I couldn't say I was happy on the edge when I was just finishing my classical writing only. But uh, this also this period when you feel like you're unhappy, just have to show you that okay, what can I do to be happy? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just did it, you know. And I think it was difficult, but now it's beautiful, and I recommend everyone to just try it, you know, at least try it and. Uh, the one thing that I would like to add is that after my first natural horsemanship clinic, I didn't uh, continue it for a year. I didn't do anything with it. I was just keep continuing classical writing because I didn't understand it. You know, it was too much for me. And uh, yeah, I do my best to uh, present that it doesn't have to be this way. I also, after the second natural horsemanship private lesson, I still didn't do it. 
I still didn't feel like I understand what I have to do. I still didn't feel like it's okay because it was just too little. I didn't see any goal in this, just swinging the rope around my horse. It's like, what? You know? <laughs> then I also, um, I also have people on the clinics that come to me and they uh, say, wow, you actually explain why do I have to swing that rope? And I'm saying, yeah, because if I don't tell you why you do this, you're never going to do it. Yeah. This is like uh, what I'm missing in natural horsemanship trainers. They tell you what to do, but they don't tell you why to do it. Mm -hmm. And if I, it's, it's no difference than classical riding instructors, right? Because if you, say to someone do this but he don't tell you say how you might not know how and why mm -hmm. right why yeah i mean it's like uh swinging the rope over a horse back uh, is like everyone has to do it but all of it all of them in poland don't know why they do it and i'm like okay That's <laughs> <And> a <problem>. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes the answer is uh, why it's not what right? Because maybe it hasn't to be a rope, maybe it's going to be something else in the future or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, the thing is why and uh, this natural horsemanship trainer, but what I see right now and in my country are not enough good enough because they don't know how they don't know what they know how but they don't know why. Yeah. Right. So uh, for me important is that my coach knows why we do something. Mm -hmm. uh, because if I don't know why that means it's not good. Because if I do something just because everyone's doing it, it, it's not good, right? It's, I don't know. It's like when you have uh, 30 degrees Celsius outside and everyone walks with long pants, that means you have to do it too. <laughs> I mean, you don't. <laughs> you, don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, you don't. It's like, if you ask them why, maybe some of them would say, yeah, because I didn't shave my legs today and I have to, you know? <laughs> And, uh, yeah. and then you would think, okay, but I did, so I don't have to, right? Wear yeah. the pants. Yeah. That's the thing. And uh, this how is the, you know, not not the most important question. This is what we do in, um, in Instagram as well. We ask them how they do it, but we don't ask them for what they do it. Mm. Yeah. That's the most important message I'd like to say right now. Let's ask everyone for what we do, what we do. And then everything is going to be so easy because if we know why, then yeah, we know why. <laughs> so yes. we want to do it. But if we know only how, why should we do it? Absolutely. Yeah? And I think that's a really beautiful message to leave our listeners with and to wrap up this interview. And before we finish up, can you tell us where our guests can find out about you? Uh, well, it's usually Instagram and Facebook right now. As I said, my website is still in making because, yeah, I have other things on my mind yes, right now. Yes, going on. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's usually Natural Eventing Rider on, on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, it's just my full name, Alexa Karniska, Natural Horsemanship and Eventing. And uh, feel free to look up and feel free to write anything because I like, as you know, uh, getting questions and answering them. It's just that please don't ask me how <laughs> you can ask me how. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad to it. it's uh, it's really it's really I believe it's really helpful and um, for me it was really helpful so yeah 
I'm looking forward to hear from you again because it awesome. was really pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. I got a lot out of today's conversation. And I'm sure all of our listeners will absolutely love it as well. I know before when I popped on Instagram that I was interviewing you, I already got a few messages saying, oh, I can't wait for this episode. So I'm sure there'll be lots of people super excited. Oh, Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com.